Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Right. Well, good morning. You're like, where's that coming from? He has a mask on. (laughs) Just kidding. Bad joke. All right. 40 minutes and 12. Let's do it. Have you ever heard me talk really fast? (laughs) All right. Sounds good. No, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Very uh, complicated morning a little bit where we are celebrating and we're so excited and we're so happy to be back in the building. Uh, COVID's still going on, but it's going the right way. Thank you, Jesus, that it's going the right way. But then also there's a lot going on with people moving and with loss. And so uh, I think rightfully so, the message today is kind of like that. It's gonna be a little all over the place, but I'm very excited to preach. And uh, I will try my best to not talk super, super, super fast. So I will be more uh, white than Puerto Rican today. Uh, but I'm neither, so it, we're going to make it happen. So it, it, it works. Listen, I want to pray real fast. I, I'm very grateful. Uh, before I pray, and then uh, I, I'm, we're going to pray for Brother Rudy as well. Um, just want to just honor Pastor Eric and Lori Baca. Can we just give it up for Pastor Eric and Lori Baca? Come on, family. Can we give it up for them? Love you. Thank you for leading us, for serving us. And uh, I know you guys are excited to be back in the building. And I, I, I was shocked when you asked me to preach the first Sunday back. Um, so maybe uh, that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know, but we're gonna, we're gonna make it work. But we love you and just don't, we're just super grateful for them. So family, let's pray. Let's jump into it. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all that you're doing here at Thrive. Thank you that through uh, celebration and crisis, through joy and loss, God, you are good always, and that, Jesus, we give everything to you. God, we pray for Brother Rudy right now, wherever he's at, and God, we pray you would be with him and his family. God, we pray for Andy and his family as well for the loss of his mother, and God, we give you everything that is going on to the people we know that are struggling with COVID and the people we know that, or we don't know that are struggling, and God, we give you glory and we give you thanks, and we ask that your presence would be in this room and you would allow us to focus in on what you want to say. We love you, we thank you, and in Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 Do me a favor. Turn to your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter five. We're going to jump right into it. And we are excited to continue our series, Heart and Soul. How many got a bracelet? Come on. Anybody got it? Anybody got it on? Let me see. Okay. Take it out of your pocket and put it on, guys. Come on. All right. And then for those of you that are online, if you want a bracelet, let us know. Just call the office when we're open. You can pick up a bracelet, but we have them ready for you when you're ready to come back. So we're in heart and soul in the book of Joshua. Powerful book, powerful preaching and teaching. And today I'm going to just share out of Joshua chapter five. And I actually feel like I'm going to teach a little bit more than I'm going to preach. And so my wife likes me more as a teacher than a preacher. And I don't know what that really means because I preach most of the time. So I don't know if that's a compliment or not, uh, but we're going to go for it. And, and as I was preparing this message, I really felt like Pastor Eric was rubbing off on me a little bit as well. And so uh, I might sound a little bit like him, but that's a good thing, I think. So that's going to work. And so Joshua chapter five, we're going to jump right into it. Only a few verses and I'm excited to share. So let's go for it. It says this, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month. 
and the evening on the plains of Jericho. And on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased. Everybody say ceased. The manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So let me just kind of break it down just for a few minutes and then we're gonna jump in. Israel just crossed the Jordan. We've been talking about it every week, right? The people of Israel, no longer in the wilderness. Joshua now has an assignment from heaven to lead the people of Israel into the promised land of Canaan. And they are now on the other side. Come on, somebody, that's a whole nother message for another day because some of us are on the other side right now. They are now on the other side. And this, this, this thing happens, and, it, and it's really, really small. And, and even in some Bibles, like if, if you were to read in your Bible, it might not even catch it, but in my Bible, it kind of breaks it up in a paragraph, which is kind of nice. How many of you love that? When the Bible, it kind of just like tells you what's about to happen. You're like, oh, okay, good. It's kind of like knowing what's gonna happen at the end of the movie. So it, like, you're not as like suspenseful or you don't know, I don't know if you're like me, but like I get anxious. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like I watch movies, like is if I'm in them, like anybody yell at the TV? I'm the worst with who wants to be a millionaire. I'm just being honest. Like if you know the answer, you know what I'm talking about? And so, and so it's really, really nice. And so in this moment, the people of Israel are now in the promised land and they're about to conquer. They're, they're about to fight and we're about to get to that in the next few weeks as we go through this series throughout the year. But there's this little highlight that God wants us to know because for the past 40 years, Israel was fed by manna from heaven. And then God says, okay, it's time to stop. It's time that you're no longer fed manna from heaven, but it's time that you actually eat the land of the promised land or the food of the promised land. It's actually time that you eat what's the promise that I've given you. Very, very small, but very, very powerful. And so today, my task is to talk about how God matures us. Come on, somebody. How God matures us. Let me start with this first point, and it says this. Spiritual maturation is necessary in becoming more like Jesus. Here at Thrive, I, we are not just interested in introducing you to the man named Jesus, but we're interested in you becoming more like him. We are not just interested in you becoming a Christian by uh, just association, but becoming Christian by action and lifestyle. That you are not here to hear a gospel that would tickle your ears and make you feel good, but your life should begin to look like Jesus as you grow in Jesus. Yeah. It's one of the biggest crises I believe we have in American Christianity is that we have oftentimes a church that professes God with their lips, but they don't look like Jesus with their actions. And so if you have been a Christian for a day or a week or 10 years or 40 years or 50 years, you know that this is absolutely important, that God matures us and he grows us. And sometimes it's a process, but that's okay. That every single day I should be coming more and more like Jesus. And so Israel is at a place where they're gonna go into the promised land. And God says, no longer will I feed you how I used to because I'm gonna grow you up so that way you can get ready for what I have for you. And so God begins to mature the nation of Israel. Now, as I was praying and I was studying um, 
really the, the, the temptation was to just talk about spiritual maturity and to talk about uh, how we need to be spiritually mature. And I think we all know that, right? I think you know that God doesn't want you to be a spoiled brat. Like pretty easy. And if you didn't know that, it's okay. You know now, okay? We're good. Like, like you should not be a baby your whole life. It's what Paul says, right? He says that, well, yeah, there's milk, but I want you to have meat. There needs to be growth. You need to get older, not just on the outside. And I can't, just so you know, I can't wait. I'm 28 years old. I can't wait to be 30. I've been 30 since I was 15. Listen, okay? Like, if you know me, you know this is true. I, I can't wait. But, but to be mature and grow on the inside. So as I was praying, I, I, I just kind of was looking through my life. And I, and I wanted to really just give you some points. I came up with 10 points or signs of how you know you're maturing in Jesus. But because it's Sunday morning, I'm just going to give you four. And then you could text me later for the other nine, seven or other six. So here's my first point. The first point that I believe how God wants to mature us, especially in this season, is this, is that first he wants to mature. We need to mature in emotions. Someone's like, oh, I wasn't ready for that one. How many of you have kids? Anybody? I'm in that group now. Hey, yeah. All right. How many of you had Disney Plus because you have kids? Come on, let's just be honest. It's not a sinful. Okay, you're cool. I'm not judging you. There's this movie I love, and, and we watch all these Pixar movies, and I don't know why sometimes Pixar movies speak to me more than messages, but maybe I just need to pay attention more. And, 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 and so there's this movie I love. It's called Inside Out. Anybody ever heard of Inside Out? It's a great movie. If you haven't, go home, watch it tonight, and then come back for prayer, okay? So Inside Out, it's, and, it's, and it's really cool. It's, it's, about this, it's about the story of a little girl, um, and, and it's about her emotions, and she has five emotions that are the major emotions of her life, and, and one of them is joy, and she's all like yellow and happy, and then one of them is sadness and she's all blue. She's like the voice of, of, of Phyllis from The Office. So if you know The Office, that's like her voice. Okay. And then you have disgust, you have fear, and then you have anger. And right, that's, that's all the voices in her head. And I love it because uh, there's this part of the movie. And if you haven't watched the movie, I'm just trying to break it down real quick. But there's this part of the movie where joy and sadness, and it's funny because when my wife is acting like she's not supposed to, I just call her sadness and then she gets all irritated. But that's beside the point. Um, um, joy and sadness end up leaving what's called the control council of this little girl's mind. There's this big old board and on this big old board is all these emotions and how this little girl is supposed to respond. But joy usually runs it, right? Because she's a little girl and little girls are supposed to be joyful. But joy and sadness end up having to go somewhere else. And because of that, anger takes over the control board. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Whether you watch the movie or not, you're like, oh man. And anger does dumb things. And anger leads to these terrible decisions these little girl is doing. Can I tell you that when you are maturing in Jesus, the person who's in charge of your control board of your emotions is Jesus. Amen. One of the first ways that I remember maturing in God and growing in Jesus is when I was able to have God or the Holy Spirit be the Lord of my emotions. This is why I picked this as the first one, because this is usually the one we're usually stuck on. It, this, the, your emotions will tend to lead you into a pursuit of God or often will lead you into a sinful decision. 
Amazing quote by a guy named Peter Scazzaro. He says this. He says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while reigning emotionally immature. Can't. You can't do both. You have to begin to grow in your emotional capacity. And what does that mean? I have to allow the emotions that God is giving me because everyone has them. And I have to begin to trust them with Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay, we're gonna keep going. Some of you are like, man, I'm good, I'm out, I'm leaving. Like that was too much. No, no, we're good, we're gonna keep going. All right, point number two is God wants us to mature in identity. God wants us to mature in identity. I have a lot of quotes for you guys today, so just take notes. Amazing quote by a guy named Brennan Manning. He says this. He says, there is the you that people see, and then there is the rest of you. Ooh, that's good. There is the you that people see, right? The facade or the ego, and then there's the real you. I believe that oftentimes when God is maturing us, he matures us in identity, This was a huge part of my life as I was growing in my relationship with Jesus that I would begin to continually discover who I am in Jesus. So I have my son Zadok, he's almost four. He turns four next week. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. So he turns four next week and and I, I, I am tripping out and maybe you parents understand this, that uh, he, he acts like me and it's really scary. It's really scary. The other day, uh, my brother came in the room. My brother Alex, he's 16. He came into the room. And me and Zadok, Zadok likes to steal Nessa's phone. And so he's just on the phone. And then I'm on my phone. And we're literally sitting next to each other in bed, like in the same position with the phone, with our leg crossed. And if you know me, my leg's like always crossed when I'm chilling. And Alex is like, dude, that's your son. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Like he has, like, man, he has no hope. He's just going to act like me. Or he does this thing and I do this thing and you've probably even seen me already do it. Um, I'll clap when I'm doing, when I'm trying to talk serious. And then when I think something funny, when something is funny, I'll clap, but I miss. And this is why I know this because my brother Alex was for me, was me for Halloween this year. So Alex decided to come to youth night on Halloween dressed as Pastor Chris So he dressed like me. He had skinny jeans and Chelsea boots and the haircut and the beanie and my shirt. But I didn't know this for about three weeks. He studied all my mannerisms. (laughs) So he came back home and he said, I I said, hey, bro, how was youth night? He's like, oh, it was dope because everyone thought I was you. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I did this thing with like your watch and I did the clap thing. And I just delegated and told everyone what to do at the end. Pray for me, teenagers, man. Ruthless. So Zadok, he'll laugh and he'll say a joke that no one thinks is funny and he'll go, ha, and walk away. (laughs) And that's exactly what I do. I do that all the time. And and, and and I've, I've come to the understanding that Zadok becomes more like him as he hangs out with me for some reason. He begins to come into his own identity. And the truth is, is that's how we begin to grow into our identity as well, is that when we spend time with Jesus and when we spend time with the Father and as we spend time with who God is, 
We begin to know who we are. And the truth is, is if you want to know you're maturing, it is absolutely important to know who God made you and who you're designed to be because you can only function in what you're called to when you know who you are in him. Israel had to understand that I am not, even though God stopped the manna, I know he will provide because we're chosen by him. I know who God is in my life and I know who I am to Jesus. And so God, go ahead and stop the manna because you're maturing me because you're getting ready for me to do something else. I love this quote by Henry Nouwen. It says this, and this is gonna help you for some of you that are like, man, I really feel like in this season, God is actually maturing me in identity. In identity. Let me break it down for you. It says this. Henry Nouwen says, there's three lies of identity we tell ourselves. I am what I have. I am what I do. And I am what other people say or think of me. Israel in this moment had to make a decision to understand that God was still sovereign and they had to trust in who Jesus was and who Jesus created the nation of Israel to be. And in the very same way that you and I have to begin to fall into the identity that God designed us for and not an identity that we struggle with. And this one's hard. This one's hard because you could be 50 years old, but still stuck like you're 15 because you're functioning in a capacity or in an identity that God never called you to. And so God, I remember in my young adult years, especially when I was about 16 and like 21, ooh, that was just an identity battle and not an identity battle because I wanted to figure out who I was, but an identity battle because God was getting me ready for what was next. And it's deeper than just like, oh, doing something, right? It's what Henry Nouwen says. Identity is not what you do. Identity is not what you have. And identity is not what people say about you. Identity only comes from the Father, Identity only comes from the Father. And so God, it's not what I do or it's not what I think of myself or what other people think of myself or it's not what I have. But Jesus, who am I really? And learning sonship and learning who I am in Jesus. And and then it's from that place of maturity, right? God begins to mature us in our identity. Number three, I'm almost done. I told you I had four. Number three is to mature I feel like this is really good for some people. God wants to mature us in conviction. Mature us in conviction. Another quote, one of my favorite authors, his name's Charles Finney. He says this. He says, revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. This is, this is what I mean by conviction. This is how you know you're growing up that the things that you used to do when crisis hit, you don't go to those, those things anymore now. If COVID taught us anything, COVID taught us this, that there are things in you that God needs to get out of you and that you are not the same today than you were before. And you are not called to go backward. There is something to the person who is trying to mature and follow Jesus. They need conviction. You need to know what's right and what's wrong. You need to know what's in you is greater than what's outside of you. You need to have truth as the foundation of your heart. No longer are you called to build your house on sand, friend. 
conviction, the conviction of God in you, the Holy Spirit near to you, so that when crisis comes, you don't go the wrong way. So that when things happen, you don't mess up. You follow him, right? What does Charles Finney say? Charles Finney says conviction leads to repentance. It's revival in the person's heart. And then it produces an intense desire to pursue him. And so everyone has their story of crisis. Um, It hit a little real for me last year. Some of you don't know this, but I'm okay to share it. Um, My brother, uh, my little brother, he was 22 years old. He overdosed last year during COVID. And so actually I'm kind of just feeling COVID now because like for the first six months of COVID, I was just dealing with that. He passed away on March 22nd last year. And I remember getting the call, it was like 2 a.m. And uh, it was really hard, right? Like it's, that's tragic, that's just, that's horrible. But, but I remember being in, been in my house and we just moved into our house a week before. So that, that time was crazy. It was literally, we moved in, uh, COVID happened. Pastor Sherrick yelled at me a little bit for doing something wrong, but that's okay, that's normal. Uh, <laughs> And then, and it wasn't like bad. I, I, yeah, anyways, I'm, we're good. He's like my dad, we're good. And then my brother passed. I'm on the floor in my room or in my house crying. My wife's next to me, Zadok's asleep. And right, the, the shock hits and you're crying, you're weeping and then you don't understand. And right, you go through all the emotions and stuff. Uh, um, but then once like I was clear headed, it's kind of crazy. Once I was clear headed, I told myself, okay, this is really bad. Like, this is a bad thing. I said, my only goal in the next, however long it takes to get over this, is to not sin. (laughs) I literally told myself that out loud. After I was done crying, I went into my room. I said, Jesus, I will not let this ruin my calling or my family. Jesus, I will not let this change who I am in you. Jesus, I will not let crisis and tragedy determine who I am. There was something in me, and I knew this was a growth moment because my first reaction wasn't to go do something that made me feel good. My first reaction was, God, how can you use this to reach more people for you? God, how can you use this so I can get closer to you? God, how can you use this so that way you're greater in me? There was this overwhelming sense of conviction and nearness from Holy Spirit. God, how can I use this horrible tragedy so that way I can relate to others more? So that way you can show them how good you are. That was honestly, and I'm not trying to preach that, like that was literally running through my mind. I tell my wife, I said, okay, babe, this next couple weeks is gonna be rough. I'm not gonna talk a lot. I'm just gonna sleep a lot. I'm gonna be all over the place, but I promise you, I'm not gonna fall into sin. I'm not gonna let this ruin my family. That's conviction, guys. And some of you, if you, if you, if that wasn't you, that's okay. Today's a new day. This is what I believe God maturing us. God wants to mature us in conviction. You want to know if you're growing, right? Because these are, right? You want to know if you're growing? The first one, 
You begin to control your emotions. You begin to mature emotionally. You want to know you're growing, right? God, am I growing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm growing because you begin to know who you are more. You want to know you're growing? Yes, because the things that, man, when stuff would happen in my life, I know I would go backward, but now there's something different. And my last one is God wants us to mature in trust. I used it as the last one because I think it's the hardest one. I believe it's the hardest one. A lot of us have trust issues. I know I did, and I still do, kind of. (laughs) It's hard. And there are some people in here watching online that you have been done wrong, and you have been hurt, and you have been lied to, and you have experienced tremendous pain and tremendous suffering, and that is nothing to take light of. But can I tell you that there is a God that you can lean on that's bigger than any of that. How how do I know I'm growing up? Because I'm okay with trusting in Jesus when there's something that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, God. It doesn't make sense to move. It doesn't make sense to quit that job. It doesn't make sense to keep doing the right thing. It doesn't make sense to trust you in this moment. Everything in me is telling me it doesn't make sense. But God, I know you're bigger. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. And so, right, the nation of Israel, I love what this quote is. It's from a commentary by a guy named Adam Clark. He says this. He says, once the manna ceased... God supplied a new provision for the nation of Israel in an ordinary way of divine providence. And what we have to understand is just because the manna stopped doesn't mean God's not done providing. Just because the manna's done doesn't mean God stops being God. That's what trust is, is that God, your ways are higher than my ways. God, I don't get it, but I know there's something happening. Come on. I know this is registering for someone because you're in this place where it doesn't make sense and you don't know what's happening and you feel hopeless and you feel lost but can I tell you this morning that you can trust him because he's got you this far if he got you through the wilderness if he got you through the pain if he got you through all of it he's gonna get you even further and I know it's uncomfortable that there's no manna and I know it's uncomfortable that you gotta grow up a little bit but let me tell you I'm gonna grow you up because I have something more for you we have to trust him even when it doesn't feel like it I remember one time, I and in everything, right? In money, in finances, in life, with your kids, with everything that goes wrong in your life, you gotta trust them. You gotta trust, what does trust mean? Literally, like, I, the, the picture I have in my mind is when you, like, trust fall with someone. Anybody ever do that? Your kids might do it, but they just fall backward. Your kid ever do that to you and you just didn't catch them? I know I have, okay? Like, I'm just being honest. You just, you just fall, knowing that in faith, God's gonna catch you, right? What, what, what Hebrew says with Abraham and Isaac, that Abraham trusted God and had faith knowing that if Isaac died, that God would raise him back from the dead. I remember one time I, I went to preach in the East Coast and 
uh, they gave me a really good offering. <laughs> and I was like 19. It was the best offering in my life. It was $800. I thought it was the biggest moment ever. And they gave it to me cash, which is even nicer, right? Because then like with taxes and stuff, but that's another side. I know, I know, I'm working on it, okay? I tithe, Pastor Eric, make sure I do. And so I get off the plane to a friend's conference that I'm also kind of preaching at, but I'm not the main speaker. And there's two friends that are there. And I look to Nessa and we're engaged and we already are broke and we're trying to get married. We weren't even here yet. And I look to Vanessa and, and I felt like God tell me in the room, give all your money to your two friends who need it. And I was like, but God, you just gave me that money. And then I got defensive. I was like, I earned that money. I preached like four times this weekend. I don't even have a voice anymore. You want me to give it to my friends? And he's like, and then, and then not another, just a word. He just said, do it. So I look at Nessa, because if Nessa got it from the Holy Spirit, then I know it's real. She was my fleece, yo, right? So I look at Vanessa, and I, t I tell her, babe, and she goes, I really, and she's like, don't even stop. Or she's like, she's like, just stop right there. I really feel like God's telling us to give all your money to those two kids, to those two friends. And I said, are you serious? Because that's, that's what I heard. And he goes, she goes, oh, you better do it, or he's not going to give us anything anymore. <laughs> Thank God for my wife. So here I go, and I try to be sneaky, and I just slip it in their back pocket, right? And it's just cash, and then they text me that. It was awesome. That's what trust looks like. Trust does not happen when you're comfortable. Trust happens when you're uncomfortable. Everyone in here has a moment where God is gonna use to mature you so you can trust in Him. My last point is this, and I'm gonna close. Because just because Jesus stops a miracle does not mean he has stopped moving. Just because the man has stopped doesn't mean he's stopped. And you might be in a season right now where you're wondering why this isn't happening. Just because it's not what you thought it looked like doesn't mean that he's finished. And so do me a favor, stand to your feet. I just wanna pray for you, family. I'm gonna let you go. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.